Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Resilient Health Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Ingalls. And my guest today is a friend and colleague and fellow naturopathic physician, Dr. Christine Schaffner. Dr. Schaffner, and I, we've, we've known each other for a while now, and I really appreciate Dr. Schaffner because she and I have very similar practices. Uh, you know, we treat a lot of Lyme, we treat a lot of, you know, toxicity, mold. So our practices are very similar. And I also appreciate the fact that she, again, is really one of these root cause medicine doctors that's really interested in finding out the source of what's get, getting you sick, keeping you sick, and helping you get better. So, Dr. Christine, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much. It's always so fun to connect with you. Yeah. So today I want to talk a little bit about the limb system. You know, you and I do so much work in our practices about detoxification and helping people, you know, get rid of all the junk that we're exposed to on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think the, we talk so much about like the liver and, and sometimes the skin, but we've got this deep network in our body called the lymphatic system that often I think gets overlooked in conventional medicine. So maybe just talk a little bit about the lymphatic system. You know, what is it? What does it do? And why is it important for people? Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of my favorite topics because I think it's um, our shared passion and getting to the root cause and really help people get a lot of the things that are making them ill out of their body. And um, I feel like the lymphatic system is this system that's often overlooked and it's really the connection in our patients because of its ability to clear waste and also help our immune systems have an appropriate response to a lot of the chronic pathogens that you know we treat people for. So it's this kind of intersection of toxicity and our immune system and it's really important and overlooked. And so just a you know a wide angle you know view of the lymphatic system, as you mentioned, it's this body-wide network, right? So we have these lymphatic um, capillaries and vessels and nodes and organs. And as I mentioned, its job is to re remove waste as well as um, help our body recognize and clear, uh, quote, foreign invaders. And sometimes that becomes um, compromised, that ability, especially when people have chronic illnesses. And I'll just kind of share too, like how it's highly interconnected to the circulatory system. So we know in anatomy books, if you ever you know, Google an anatomy book often, you know, the arterial system is red, the venous system is blue, and the lymphatic system is often green. And so um, that's not quite how the body works. It's not that compartmentalized, but it's good a visual, right? And so, um, you know, our heart, you know, basically oxygen-rich um, blood leaves our heart, and it travels through these red arteries, you know, through our body. And then when we get down into the tissue space, um, these arteries get smaller and smaller and become capillaries. And in the capillary space, this is, you know, where a lot of the action of our physiology happens, right? How well can we get oxygen-rich blood to our tissues and remove waste? And what happens in that capillary space is that um, some of the fluid leaves the capillaries um, and some of it returns, but some of it that leaves becomes what we call interstitial fluid or it's the pre-lymph. And what this is, is it's the body's ability to deliver oxygen and nutrition to what we call the extracellular matrix. And that's a big part of where, you know, we're aligned. Um, I think that's a lot of where our therapies target, right? This um, extracellular matrix and what that is, is it's the space in between our cells. And I'll come back to that in a moment, but what, um, you know, essentially happens then, you know, blood, some of the fluid returns to the blue now, um, you know, capillaries that turn into blue veins and return um, to the heart. And then, you know, again, this fluid that is in this tissue space is 
called interstitial or pre-lymph. It's the beginning of the lymphatics. And the extracellular matrix, as I mentioned, um, many of our mentors and people who are kind of the fathers of naturopathic medicine talk a lot about terrain medicine or how disease starts in what we call the matrix. And this is, this is why is because um, we're only as healthy as this space is able to be able to deliver nutrition, oxygen um, to ourselves and remove waste. And then when we're thinking about the onslaught of what we're all exposed to on a regular basis with the environmental toxicants and the um, chronic infections that many of us um, become exposed to and aren't able to clear, this is where those that, you know, this is the space where those things tend to linger. And if you don't have good mechanisms to really, you know, get the, um, fluid moving, get the immune system engaged. Um, what can happen is things like glyphosate can affect our collagen and heavy metals can bind to um, different proteoglycans. And then, you know, all this inflammation can deplete electrons and then Lyme loves, you know, connective tissue and viruses hang out here and mast cells, you know, um, get um, triggered by different factors and can release histamine in the space. And then what happens is that the space becomes degraded, chronic inflammation um, starts staying out in the space and then cells have a harder time communicating. And then that um, can perpetuate what we call the cell danger response as well. And so one really, you know, this is complicated, but simple in a lot of ways is that the more we make sure that those lymphatic capillaries that line that space are able to take that fluid and keep it moving and basically get supported through what we call the lymphatic capillaries that become what we call vessels, which then maybe encounter nodes, which where the immune system really um, engages with what is in the fluid. And then this um, fluid gets returned to circulation through um, really our thoracic duct and our uh, right lymphatic duct. And um, what's interesting about the system is that it's a one-way valve system that is really reliant on our movement in the body. So if we're, um, you know, having these things that I've just talked about and we're sedentary or we just uh, can't keep up with, um, you know, really what we're exposed to, then there be, you know, there's this buildup and stagnation in the space. And that's when a lot of our Lyme patients, right, uh, one of the key hallmark signs is we feel the lymph nodes, you know, in the neck and we can feel a lot of lymphatic inflammation. Um, so that's a key sign to know that you have uh, lymphatic stagnation there. Um, you know, I think a, a big um, overlooked symptom for lymphatic congestion too is a lot of the lymphatic um, system in the gut, right? So within the intestines and then behind the intestines um, in the mesentery, there can be built up of um, lymphatic fluid and there is this uh, interconnection. So if there's stagnation in one area in the lymphatic system, that can create, you know, a whole host of, you know, effects and distant tissues too. So like if you're having neuropathy or, you know, blood flow issues in your lower extremities, we want to like look upstream and make sure that the lymph has somewhere to go so that, you know, things are constantly flowing. So that's a really long-winded answer about the lymph system, <laughs> but I just wanted to share like that overview and I'm happy to dive in wherever you'd like me to go. Yeah. You know, I, I think we've all had the experience of having swollen lymph nodes, swollen glands. You know, we get strep throat, we get some kind of infection and, you know, those nodes are swelling is really a marker that, your immune system's been activated. It's trying to help in that case fight infection. But sometimes we'll see chronic swollen glands that really don't have anything to do with infection. And that can be due to really any kind of chronic toxicity. Again, I think it's just a physical sign that your body's trying to clear something out of the system and really it's defense. Uh, and I like the fact that, as you said, that, you know, the limb system, you know, doesn't have kind of a pulse behind it. I mean, your blood moves because your heart is a pump. It's yeah. pumping the blood through at a certain, you know, rate rhythm but your lymph system doesn't have that. So it really is dependent on our movement 
uh, to keep that fluid moving in one direction. And of course, for a lot of our Lyme patients that aren't as physically active or people that might have other chronic conditions where they're more sedentary, you know, getting swollen legs, swollen hands, uh, often that's just a sign that, you know, their lymph is kind of backing up. It's not clearing out the way it's supposed to. And that's what's causing what we call edema. Yeah. And I think, you know, with our Lyme patients, I'm happy to walk you through too. There's like some really key areas, you know, that I find, um, you know, our Lyme and our chronic illness patients, you know, get, you know, stuck. And this is kind of maybe like a checklist for people to think about when you're looking at their lymphatic system. Um, and even to take a step further to behind even that, um, I, I think you do this as well. Um, Darren is like looking at scar history, right? So scars and bioregulatory medicine can be um, what we call interference fields. And what that means is that scars can become um, disruptions in uh, the factual system and the lymphatics. And even if, you know, from the acupuncture meridian lens, it can potentially block meridian flow in the area. And so, um, you know, scar tissue can be a um, it, it can definitely um, block the lymphatic system. So if you're doing everything and your lymph isn't moving, I, I would take like a scar checklist. I use neural therapy. There are other techniques and tools to help break down scar tissue and open up, um, you know, basically circulation and flow in those tissues. Um, we often um, find too that scars can hold on emotional memory. Um, and it's just kind of a clinical anecdote. And a lot of people try to make sense of why and how that happens, but we, we can hold, um, you know, emotions in our tissues. And so if people People have had a surgical trauma or an injury. Sometimes part of that blocked um, flow in that area can be a emotional stagnation as well. So different therapies can help release and um, let, let release of those traumas and emotions out of the tissues. So just that's an aside, just scar history. You know, I take a scar history for every patient. And then, um, you know, with the Lyme patients and chronically ill patients, you know, I find there can be a lot of stagnation, as we mentioned, we talked about the neck and, you know, the tissue in the um, back of the throat called the, the tonsils, right? So there's, you know, not the two tonsils, there's five, and um, people might have had history of strep or Epstein-Barr, or they might have toxicity in their mouth that continues to drain into their um, tonsils. But this is a really key immune regulation tissue, I find. And there can often be um, chronic inflammation or chronic infection in this tissue that can continue to um, basically create stagnation and poison the lymphatic system. And it's at the base of the brain and the top of the gut. So it's, it's really important for our patients. And I could talk for two hours about that tissue alone. And yeah. my, my um, patients teach me like a lot of them have like chronic um, you know, disruptions in that tissue. So we do different throat sprays and gargles and, you know, ozone and, and things to help, you know, just really heal that area. Um, and then, you know, looking at that relationship too, you know, a lot of our patients have neurological issues, right? So we want to really support the body's innate ability to self-cleanse the brain. And that happens at sleep. So when we sleep and, you know, there's different stages of sleep. So we're always trying to get optimum levels of deep sleep and REM sleep. And during those times, we actually have more what we call glymphatic activity. And that's going to be the lymph system in the brain, right? So that's going to be um, the glial dependent lymphatic system that our brain naturally gets rid of these environmental toxicants and helps to, um, you know, remove, you know, pathogens as well when we sleep. And so that for that to drain well at night, you know, we need to have a good exit route. And that's why we look at the tonsils and the cervical lymph nodes. And then 
um, you know, the gut I mentioned, right? So the gut can be a huge area where people have a lot of disturbances. And so there's the lymphatics in the gut, right? The lacteals and the pyrus patches and, you know, all of these things that if you have a lot of chronic inflammation, they might not be um, absorbing and regulating as well. Um, and then I mentioned too, something that I was taught from um, one of the, one of our teachers is that there is um, lymph buildup sometimes between the intestines and the abdominal wall, and there can be fluid in that area and one of the connective tissue there. And that can be um, when that is not draining, there's inflammation in the gut and then behind the gut, and then that can affect the um, you know, whole system. So um, sometimes um, you know, we have lymphatic therapies that move the lymph in the abdomen first. I think that's why castor oil works so well. I mean, I think there's right. many reasons why castor oil works well. You know, we've used that, you know, for many, many decades in naturopathic medicine. And um, you know, I, I think part of why it works well is its ability to move lymph and um, especially when we apply it over the liver and the abdomen. And then and I mentioned too, you know, the, um, a lot of our patients, especially who have Bartonella or just, you know, different issues can have, um, a lot of, um, pain or neuropathy or edema in their lower legs. And when that's happening, we think about everything, but we also think about there's lymphatics in the pelvic floor and then the kind of the groin area. And if those aren't draining well, or if there's a lot of inflammation there, you think that, um, you know, upstream, like we have to open that up in order to get the legs, um, to drain. So, you know, that's again, just highlighting some areas that I'm always looking at, you know, with, um, my patients and then, um, I do think during, um, you know, pain, you know, a lot of times, you know, our patients are in chronic pain and there's a lymphatic stagnation component to pain. And the more that we can get, you know, fluids moving and, um, you know, waste out of that tissue and oxygen into that tissue, the body can clear the underlying pathologies and triggers that are triggering the inflammation that's, you know, uh, chronic pain. So that's why the lymphatic system is so important. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's important for people tuning in that, you know, any kind of swollen glands. I mean, we talk a lot about the neck because this is very common, but if it's in your armpit, if it's in yep. your groin area behind your head, you know, you've got these lymph nodes found throughout your body. And of course you have a whole chain of them kind of deep in your chest and your belly that you're not likely to feel, but uh, those superficial ones that tend to come up on the neck, the armpit and the groin, those are probably the ones you're more likely to notice. And, you know, if they've been swollen for a while, if you notice lumps and bumps down there, you definitely want to get off to your doctor, have them checked out. Uh, most of the time, fortunately, it's relative to some level of infection or potentially toxicity, but once in a while, it can be related to some element of cancer. So I guess yeah. it's a good idea. If it's been there for a bit to get it checked out with your doctor and just make sure everything's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I forgot to mention too, Darren, uh, for women, breast um, health is really tied into lymphatic health. So we have, um, you know, groups of lymph nodes in our armpits. So whether you're a male or female, of course, those need to be, um, you know, draining. But for women, um, if you have a lot of different, um, you know, breast symptoms from either fluid retention at different times in your menstrual cycle to fibrocystic breast, there can be these benign tumors called fibroadenomas. So um, sometimes I'll have women actually apply different topicals or castor oil to their breasts to help to get the lymphatics um, draining the, the breast tissue as well. Yeah, I don't want to go too sideways on this, but I think this is important because one of the things I see in my practice, you know, mm -hmm. women in bras. Yes. You know, it seems to me that uh, an ill-fitted bra, bras with underwires, 
really choke off a lot of the lymphatic flow. So yeah. what are your recommendations to women with their, their bronchi? Yeah. yeah, no, it's a really important topic. And I actually have a friend who owns a laundry store who I've, um, you know, found different uh, non-underwire bras that are really um, quite comfortable. And and women, I think, need to themselves that underwire bras are not comfortable. And there is some sense of, you know, that the, the lymphatic stagnation can happen over, you know, time. And so I'm really glad that you brought that up. And so a lot of my um, female patients, I just, you know, give them, you know, different, uh, you know, options or resources. And there's a lot out there to have, um, you know, just, um, and especially in the athleisure where, you know, world, there's a lot of just even built-in bras and different um, shirts and things. But, um, you know, that I think is really overlooked. And when you think about, you know, the brain draining, you know, if you have lymphatic stagnation in your breasts, if you're a woman, and even, you know, men, I mean, men have lymphatics in their, you know, breast tissue as well. Um, and then, you know, if you have stagnation there, it's going to be harder for the, um, you know, the thoracic duct and the right lymphatic duct, duct to receive lymph. And so you can actually have lymphatic stagnation in your head if your breasts aren't draining. So I feel like it's all interrelated and it's really, really important. Um, so I um, have people wear non-underwire bras. Um, I also, I mentioned castor oil can be very helpful. There are other products that I can use to, you know, open up the lymphs on the lymphatic system in the armpit and the, you know, the uh, lymph around the breast to help drain breast tissue. I also look at the dental piece too, during if people have a lot of um, uh, basically toxicity in the mouth that can drain into the breast and that can create problems as well. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think it's really important because again, I just uh, see and hear from so many women about the comfort of their bra and know that this is a potential long-term problem because I think most women wear a bra mostly every day. Yeah. Over time, again, particularly if it's too tight, has an underwire, uh, mm -hmm. I can just see that this is going to lead to some element of lymph stagnation. And of course, if we're trying to get your overall health improved, this is just, uh, I think, a fairly easy thing to fix, which is an appropriate mm -hmm. property. So. Yeah, yeah. And just one more point to that, um, Darren, is that um, I'm sure you've seen um, a fair amount of patients who either you know, have breast implants or just decide to get their breast implants, you know, removed, which we're all a fan of, um, but there can be scars, right, from right. Um, surgeries. And I often will treat women's um, breast explant scars and hopefully, I mean, even implant scars, hopefully they're getting their implants out, but even those scars alone can create a lot of um, stagnation in the, um, the whole lymphatic system. Yeah, you talked a little bit earlier about neural therapy, and for those who aren't familiar with it, it basically the process is going in and injecting a scar uh, with usually, I think it's a little bit of dextrose, right? Is that what you use? Right, yeah, I, I use protein. You know, okay. Yeah, protein. Mm -hmm. And it's really to kind of help, you know, A, break up a little bit of that scar tissue, but I think it's more than that. And again, I, I don't do this in my practice, but mm -hmm. I'm not an expert, so maybe you can say a little bit more about yeah. it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to. It's yeah, it's, um, you know, really comes out of Germany. These two brothers found this, you know, property of procaine and found when um, you basically would inject either scars or toxic ganglia, there could be a reversal of symptoms. And so they found this, you know, um, yeah, really powerful effect that this injection technique had. And so in modern day, how we use it, I most often use it with um, scar therapy. And so I use this, the substance called procaine. It's a local anesthetic. It's compounded. Um, we use it 1% uh, preservative free and procaine has a property that it can really help to break, break down scar 
tissue. So the actual tissue of the scar can help to soften. People sometimes like the cosmetic effect if um, scars haven't quite healed. Um, you know, if there's, you know, redness or kind of lingering, you know, issues from the scar that um, it cosmetically can look you know, better over time with the injection. So it helps to soften the scar tissue and then it helps to bring circulation, You know, helps the lymph move in the scar tissue. It has an effect on the cell membrane potential too, just with the anesthetic property. So um, you know, there's this theory in neural therapy that cells in a scar can have a lower, a lower resting membrane potential um, than healthy cells. So then this almost helps to increase the electrical voltage of those cells to make them less disruptive to the overall uh, communication in that tissue in the nervous system. So we, we do see that there's kind of an electrical kind of autonomic, you know, effect, you know, when people um, get their scars injected and not only scars there, I, I don't do this in my office, but they're deeper ganglion injections. So these kind of fuse boxes of, you know, our nervous system that can bioaccumulate neurotoxins and infections that it's kind of almost the fleshing out of those from deeper ganglion can help to reset the, um, the nervous system and then there's another um, way that we can use neurotherapy. It's called segmental therapy. And segmental therapy, I call like acupuncture on steroids. It just helps to bring, you know, a lot of lymph drainage, a lot of circulation to tissues. So like, for instance, the liver will do um, very superficial injections of these wheels over the liver. And it works with something called the visceral cutaneal reflex. So this idea of we treat the skin, we can actually affect deeper communication through the nerves that regulate the capillaries around different organs like the liver. So it's a, it's a really um, powerful way to kind of just bring um, more um, energy, you know, to an organ. So in the Lyme world, I use a lot of liver neurotherapy. Um, you know, we'll do the kidneys. Well, we can do a small intestine pattern, a lymph pattern, the sinus pattern. Um, there's one called the crown. When we, um, anyone who's had a head injury or any like cognitive issues, we'll do that one. Um, we can inject tonsils or tonsil scars as well. Um, and then, as I mentioned, they're the deeper ganglion injections as well. Yeah, I, I said I don't do it as a practitioner. I have had it done to myself, though. And yeah. it's funny because I think, you know, when you see someone coming at your scar with a needle, you're anticipating it's really going to hurt. But when you have a scar, it pretty much kills all your nerve endings. So it actually doesn't yeah. hurt. You yeah. kind of feel anything. So it's a yeah. really benign treatment. But again, clinically, I think it's another great therapy that really helps. Yeah. And it's something, again, that gets overlooked in medicine that we don't think about the effect yeah. of having these scars, whether it's from an injury or surgery you know, depending on the location, it can kind of interfere with the underlying tissue and certainly our sort of bioenergetic pathways that are found all throughout our body. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some other things that people can do to help improve their lymph flow? We talked a little bit about movement, exercise, but what are some other things you recommend for folks to help them improve their lymph? Yeah, absolutely. So often, you know, um, you know, our patients, you know, we recommend things at home. And then depending on if you're struggling a lot out there, I would also consider working with a pr practitioner to really guide and support getting your lymphatic system moving. Um, it will just help you to, you know, make more momentum, I believe, in your health. And so having a skilled lymphatic um, drainage practitioner, they're often massage therapists who've had some type of lymph training. Um, there's different equipment out there in the community. Um, my friend Kelly Kennedy, um, um, has an equipment that she shared with me that I have in my office that's 
They're called the Flopresso and it uses compression, infrared and nano vibrational technology. So it's deeply relaxing and really can move the limb. There's other techniques and tools out there like the limb star and ST8 and, you know, all of these different equipments, um, you know, but, um, you know, that can be helpful. Home tools can be vibration plates, rebounders, dry skin brushing. In the aesthetic world, there are these um, stones called gua sha's that you can use on the face and the body that really help to move um, lymph. And when you're moving lymph, you just want to always open up um, upstream before you go downstream. So I always have people open up, you know, the, basically the, um, the thoracic duct and the right lymphatic duct first. And then let's say you're going to, you know, drain, um, let's say your lower arm, you would want to open up your armpit, you know, open up the upper arm and then go to the lower arm. So this, you have a pathway where the lymph can continue to drain and move. Um, so that can be very helpful. Um, and then I use different, you know, herbals, you know, there's a lot of different herbal blends, combination of herbs that you can use internally. So from even, um, you know, cleavers and nettles and red root and, you know, different, you know, herbs that we use every day to help, um, you know, move lymph, proteolytic enzymes can be helpful, you know, as well. And then um, I'll use a lot of topicals from essential oils to, um, you know, we created a product with my uh, dear friend, uh, Dr. Marco Ruggiero, and he, he's brilliant. He's done a lot of research on, you know, um, the immune system and also the microbiome. And he developed a product that we've used, um, we call it Lymphflow, and it's a proprietary blend of probiotics. So the probiotics themselves actually make a peptide called macrophage activating factors. So there's a, there's a immune effect from what the micro, um, microbes are producing. And that's in a blend with um, what we call microbial derived um, chondroitin sulfate. And chondroitin sulfate is what makes up a lot of, I think I mentioned proteoglycans, that word, you know, in um, when I was describing the extracellular matrix. And we have chondroitin sulfate basically in our extracellular matrix, and that can become, um, you know, depleted or, you know, compromised when there's chronic inflammation. So I see it as like twofold that the chondroitin sulfate helps to drive and deliver the peptide into the extracellular matrix and into the lymphatics. And then the chondroitin sulfate itself is part of of the why it works, I believe. So the um, the conjoint sulfate um, can serve as what we call an electron reservoir. So it can hold electrons in the um, in the protein to help with inflammation. There's a whole um, whole world about um, exclusions on water, and I, I feel like very much a student. But I um, you know I, I, I try to share information and strategies for my patients to increase exclusion zones in their body and the water system in the body, that's going to help with uh, detoxification and lymphatic drainage and um, cell voltage and energy and, you know, all of these good things. So the um, sulfate itself can help um, in that process as well. So it's those factors that make the cream unique. And we're just using the principles of um, the skin to drive um, this ingredient into the um, you know, we have the skin, we have the dermis underneath there, we have the interstitium, which is another kind of newly discovered organ, which is the fluid between the connective tissue um, that helps to deliver things deeper into um, the lymphatics. And that's, I think, of why we can use um, the skin um, in the topical transdermal route for, you know, even conventional medicine knows that we can use patches and creams to deliver, um, you know, hormones or different medications. And so um, I love using topicals for the lymph um, for this reason. So how are you using this particular product? Yeah, so I, um, you know, instruct my patients first to use this at night at bedtime because I mentioned also about the glymphatic system. So a lot of my patients have neurological symptoms and we want to really make sure that they're 
brain is, um, you know, cleansing at night and supported at night. And so to help make sure that the limb system has somewhere to exit, you know, we um, put it on the neck to help decrease any potential stagnation um, in the cervical lymph nodes in the neck so that the lymphatic system can drain at night. So I start there and then everyone's going to have a different experience. I've had all sorts of different anecdotes over the years um, for pain and inflammation. People have found a lot of relief um, uh, scars. So if you can't get to a neural therapist, you know, you can use this over scars. I've had some people with restless leg, um, you know, after dental surgery can be very helpful. Um, you know, also if you have, you know, if you technically have edema, you know, anywhere in poor circulation, that's going to be helpful as well. So, you know, I instruct again, you know, let's start at the neck, use it at bedtime, and then people typically get creative and have all sorts of anecdotes that they share um, with the, the cream, but it's, it really, um, it, it's powerful. And I, I know you and I um, are, you know, both create products and we really try to create things that are going to move the needle um, in people's uh, protocols. Right. Well, we're going to share the link for the product with everyone in the show notes. So definitely check it out. So really for anybody listening, if you've been dealing with, you know, chronic illness, especially chronic swollen glands, you know, you definitely want to work on improving your limb system. I'm sure, you know, yourself and your healthcare provider are working so much on your diet and your sleep and, you know, everything else we do in you know, whole body medicine. But again, this is the one piece I think a lot of times it gets overlooked and yet it's such a critical part of, you know, getting well, because I think most people with chronic illness have some element of toxicity. And part of the reason they're chronically ill is that they just don't detoxify well. So there's so many things that are simple, easy to do. Uh, so I, I, Dr. Schaffner, I really appreciate you sharing all these tips with everyone today. And I hope you guys take heed to this because there's just so much you can do to help improve your lymph flow. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always so much fun to connect with you. Thanks, Christine. Thanks.